welcome to Drunk Monkeys Vlogcasting. My name is Colleen Tiffany Hefner. I am the editor-in-chief of Drunk Monkeys. I'm Chris Pruitt. I'm a guy. <laughs> uh, Matt also a guy, uh, for the record, uh, producer of this podcast. And uh, happy 4th of July to everybody in September when this episode finally goes out. Mm. <laughs> Today is July 4th. You will be hearing this July 4th of next year. <laughs> um. We are all involved in Drunk Monkeys, which is a literary journal that we run, drunkmonkeys.us. Uh, check us out. We're pretty rad, in my opinion. The way that we do this podcast is we handle it spoiler light. We dissect each episode scene by scene. So if you're just tuning in and you've never watched the show uh, or you're watching along, nothing is going to really be spoiled for you moving forward. So, you know, it's safe for newcomers to the show. Um, so we are going to be talking today about season two, episode one. We finally made it to season two. May the giant be with you. Easily the worst <laughs> so far of these weird, like, definitely like reverse translated uh, German episode titles or whatever. <laughs> this is a long episode. We're gonna try to keep this may as the giant, tight as possible. May the giant episode be with you. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna try to keep it as tight as possible but if we run long maybe we'll just split it into two episodes i don't know so anyway we're gonna just jump right in as we remember season one ended on a cliffhanger of somebody shooting coop as he entered his room at the great northern and uh he is lying on the ground bleeding out so in the most in the most like dead person in a children's play position <laughs> of all time where he's just sort of like, looks like he's taking a really dramatic nap or something like that. <laughs> just like, like just supine, like uh, slightly um, whatever. But, uh, and what kills me about this scene is so we, you know, he's bleeding from the side and you can tell he's been shot a few times, but he has a vest on me. It's very obvious. And uh, Andy is still on the phone. <laughs> And he's like, Coop? Cooper? Agent Cooper? Are you there, Cooper? And it's like, hang up. Like it continues to be for the entire duration of this scene. Like obviously something has gone wrong. He's not gonna come back to the phone like five <laughs> minutes later after the gunshots go off. Like <laughs> it's like literally like hours later. <laughs> Andy's still like, Coop, I have something to tell you. Um and in walks in. A very old man who is the room service guy. And what is transpires here is quite frankly the most frustrating scene so far. Because this man is just like, here's your warm milk, and proceeds to give him the bill. <laughs> he's like dying on the floor. And yeah. he's like, and Coop's like, does this include gratuity? Because he's just still nice, even though he's dying. He's still and, Coop. <laughs> yeah. And I just can't, it's just such an awkward scene. <laughs> like, I feel like it's kind of a clever scene in the way that if you've been waiting over a season break and you're still attached to these mysteries and so forth, and like, the, it, it's like this very David Lynch thing of like, well, you thought you were going to get answers this season? <laughs> well, guess what? <laughs> you're going to get like five minutes of room service shenanigans while your main character dies on the floor. <laughs> it's so funny too, because the guy keeps like winking at him in a really exaggerated way and like giving him a thumbs up and saying like, I've heard about you. Then he leaves the room and then comes back and does it again. 
And we have this theory that David Lynch was like, could you just try again? And just kept the cameras. <laughs> next time I can nail it. I'm going to nail it next time. So, um, oh, for so sure. he, the way he winks, when, uh, when I was in college, I was in Blair Witch parody. And I was supposed to clear my throat. And I can't really do that fake. So I went, ahem. <laughs> and, that's like what, and that's what this, it was like that same sort of energy. It looks, it looks like Finally. the facial expression version of saying ahem out loud. <laughs> yes. So, Not for um, nothing, Colleen, but you've mentioned that Blair Witch uh, parody like twice running now. Times I think our this, listeners now need to see it. I think, <laughs> I think it, it, is it out it's there? On, it's on Vimeo. Okay. <laughs> look, for the, look for the eventual Patreon analysis of right. Colleen's old movie she was in. <laughs> I, was in I was girl number one or whatever. I was in it for like five minutes, but... Uh, I reference it constantly. <laughs> you were in it for five minutes and were unable to perform the one line. <laughs> <laughs> no, I still remember all the lines. It's just the ahem I couldn't do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, so so this whole thing. And he hangs up on Andy. He's like, oh, this phone's off the hook. I'm just going to hang up. So that's frustrating. <laughs> um, yes. And. Then what, then, you know, Coop just keeps laying there and then the titular giant shows up. <laughs> uh, I don't, I'm, I feel like I'm talking a lot, Chris. If yeah, you <laughs> um, I, I kind of don't have a lot to say about this sequence because it's more experiential. And like, I, as you mentioned already, the frustration is kind of the point, I think. Um, and I, I don't think that needs to be delved in a lot more there we'll get a little bit more of this waiter dude later and what his associations are but for a while this is just gonna gonna go away so i'd, I'd rather move on to when the giant appears and that's yeah. its own whole thing um so here's the first time we're seeing this guy we're gonna see him a few more times in a few more positions of significance but we'll get a lot more later one thing i will say that struck me on this viewing was um, how much is kind of in his dialogue that makes more sense having seen the return like that was made like 25 years later or whatever. I It's just kind of incredible how, I can't imagine most of this was planned, but I have to guess that they probably went back to the like things and said, how can we extrapolate upon these ideas? Uh, again, I don't want to talk too much about that right now, um, given that, I don't want to delve into that whole thing ahead of time, but the stuff he says right now that makes no sense, a lot of it's going to ultimately kind of make sense, which actually makes it a lot different from when normal people are talking to each other <laughs> on this show. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, he's like, it's not so much like who I am, it's where you have gone yeah. and where you have, um, where have you gone? Yeah, I noted that yeah. line as well. Something to um, keep with he us. He says he's gonna tell him three things. Uh, there's a man in a smiling bag. Apples are not what they seem, which is a very, you know, a very iconic line. And um, with, with chemicals, he points. Is that what he says? That is what he says. Okay, he has an accent. And I didn't put on the subtitles. So I was like, did you say points? Yes, <laughs> like, without chemicals, you points. So, uh, and I wrote, wow, clear as hell. Uh, very easy <laughs> to figure out what he's going. As Coop, of course, is still bleeding uh, yeah. on the floor. 
He takes Coop's ring off his finger and says Leo is locked inside a hungry house, which is the clue. Um, a hungry horse. A hungry horse, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry my handwriting is it's just garbage lately, so. Um, as, as, uh, as the boss once told us, everybody has a hungry horse. <laughs> Happy 4th of July. <laughs> um, I said, I wrote, oh, the scene ends, and I'm like, is this going to be like the guy, the only guy willing to call 911 for Coop? Like, the magic guy? Yeah, the magic guy that's not, that's sort of not really there, presumably. Uh, and but, the know. answer is no, he will no, not. No, he doesn't. I don't know. I in, fact, I in fact, he straight up stole his jewelry. <laughs> like, come <laughs> on, man. What a jerk. Uh, so we actually kind of move away from the scene and into a one-eyed well, jack. Well, but before we do, we get the, oh, never mind. Never mind. Nope. I'm accidentally jumping ahead. You're right. Yeah, we don't cut jump to one-eyed jacks. Yeah. Okay. We, yeah, we go right into hung, uh, Hungry Jacks. Hungry Jacks. Yes. Hungry Jacks would make more sense. Um, and this just awkwardness of Audrey and her dad. Audrey yeah. infiltrated the brothel. And uh, her dad's like there to bone, <laughs> but he doesn't realize it's her. And it's which gets increasingly troubling as they like start to talk to each other and like, you know, she. We we get this kind of I, my whole note for this section was good lord, this whole one eyed jacks thing sucks. Uh, before yeah, we get into the Audrey and Ben thing, it's like we get a brief shot of Blackie and Jerry interacting. Yes. She's it, it, with the implication sort of being she's on the hook and stuck in this situation as a drug addict and they're supplying for her. Yes. Uh, that's kind of what we get out of it, but it's a really mean-spirited little like, exchange between them. And yeah, Jerry, she's... And Jerry's usually kind of like a comic relief guy, even though he's tied up with Ben. Ben usually seems like the guy with the machinations and the evil intent, and Jerry's just like, oh, I'm buying sandwiches, I'm doing whatever the hell, but he's cruel in this scene and the way he's interacting with her. Like, stuff. she's yeah. obviously, like, like jonesing, yeah, <laughs> for yeah, lack yeah. of a better word, yeah. uh, which is funny, because, like, I think in the past, they've never really, like, shown Blackie to be, like, a vulnerable person. No, it, it, it feels yeah. like... It feels like they went into this season going, how can we add some more, like, oomph to this character so she's not Yeah, because like, she's, like, physically, like, withdrawing, and she looks bad, and she's like, why are you holding out on me? And he, like, yells in her face. Yeah, he's real gross about it. It's, it's an uncomfortable scene. And then, as you stated, it cuts to the even more uncomfortable yeah. Audrey and Ben thing. And this is also an interesting transition because the last we saw of them in the season finale was, like, him just sort of coming into the room and it's, like, the sort of fade out with such stuff that dreams are made of thing or whatever. <laughs> and so we smash cut to it here, presumably, like, one instant after that fade out happened because he's still walking into the room at this point and it's like turned into like a, a fucking three stooges routine thing where he's like trying to get in the curtain she's holding it shut and then like he, she finds a mess, something to cover her face with and stuff like that the, the whole thing is very very horrible <laughs> how's how's audrey gonna get out of this one right yeah um. and and the answer is that she basically just doesn't like the, the just, he's just so stupid he doesn't notice I'm yeah. like, look she puts a cat mask over her face and he's like ooh like kitty likes to scratch or whatever the fuck but yeah, yeah. um but what I, i'm like this is his daughter and like 
you could definitely make the case that he's like very preoccupied with crime <laughs> and like we know historically that he like has like a very large distaste for his daughter and often yells at her so as a parent i would think that i would still know it's my kid even if they were holding yeah. a mask over like this stranger with my daughter's body type and hair is like, like it's just weird yeah the whole um, thing is weird and particularly because it, it's not important no it, 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 it's not important but later on he does mention that like he's have you seen audrey today uh when we see him later on so it's like we're also supposed to believe that he knows she's missing and something strange about that but like he still doesn't put this together here it's the whole thing is I, weird. i want to make note that when we had seth on all the way back in the day said that all the wallpaper in this show sucks yeah. and this wallpaper here it's black with like flowers it is fucking awesome and so i'm gonna call him later and <laughs> be like hey you were wrong about him. this yeah. no it's really good wallpaper that's all i just i, I didn't even notice it i was too busy being skeeved about that scene <laughs> so well, as, as someone who likes wallpaper <laughs> as a wallpaper connoisseur <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah and then um, as this is like this like slapstick weirdness is happening, you hear Jerry in the other room saying, "We have a," he says, "We have an issue. We have an S N A G," and it's like it would have been less time to just say snag. snag. Like, yeah, it's like it's like that word isn't revealing anything. Like, why is it? I, the like, whole thing is so weird. For a moment, too, I was like, "Is does that stand for something?" So, I was like, oh no, they just spelling out snag. Like, no, it's what? just it's just that Jerry is the weirdest person alive. <laughs> Sorry, he has no weird prop this time. Yeah. Um, Unless you count the bag of heroin. He gives yeah. Me yeah. Well, <laughs> that's kind of a weird prop. Um, so. <laughs> We can probably put together if we remember how the season ended that like all the stuff with the mill and so forth went down and we know the Horn brothers were involved in those machinations. So that's probably what he's calling attention to. We don't quite get it there, but we'll cut back to the brothers in a bit. But we do go back to the Great Northern Room and uh, it looks like it's daylight now. It's in one week. One week later, Coop is still bleeding. Yeah, yeah. No one has come by. No room service. No turn down service has come. Yeah, <laughs> like that's just where he lives now. He, he's um, with the door wide open the whole night. By the way, not when one other person walked yeah. by to see this guy bleeding on the ground. Um, well, that's that's weird. Anyway. <laughs> He, he um, starts to talk about how it's okay if you can keep the fear from your mind, which to me was immediately a David Lynch's Dune litany against fear callback with Kyle McLaughlin <laughs> on the ground there. Just recycling the stuff. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, Kyle, do you remember your line? If you don't just default... Say something sort of like it. <laughs> um he begins talking to Diane, and he's like, I hope I turned on the voice activation thing, which he obviously did. But, um, yeah, we, starts, we see the tape spinning in the thing. Yeah. And he starts talking about, like, he's like, regrets. I've had a few. Um, <laughs> but he starts talking. He's like, my ring is gone. And he's like, you know, if I survive this, these are the things I want. And basically what it boils down to is he wants to fuck and save to bed. <laughs> like, those were his, like, main reasons for trying to live. A, a man has to know what his priorities are, and <laughs> Coop has got him in line. He also he also says, I would like to climb a tall hill, not too tall. 
So not a that's, that's important. Yeah. Not a mountain, just to be clear. Not like a whole thing, just like a pleasant drifting hill. <laughs> nice little, oh God. So it's kind of funny, like he's just, you know, doing his coop thing slowly. We don't have to super break it down. It's all very coop-ish. Yeah. And, so. and then the scene kind of just comes to an abrupt end because the uh, Twin Peaks Sheriff's Department shows up in like a sort of lethal weapon one pose in the, <laughs> in the uh, doorway. <laughs> and then um, we smash cut pretty much with like a weird visual noise effect to Coop waking up in the hospital, right? Yes, we do. And pretty much the entire town is at the hospital, which yeah. is like for different various reasons, which right. is like really right. funny to me. <laughs> Like, literally the whole cast, they were like, this has to be a bottle episode of a sort. <laughs> we only have so much time to film in this hospital or whatever. But, yeah, um, right. yeah, they're they're kind of like, you know, caving a mob. He's got some busted ribs. The doc is finally at work again. Like He's finally of- working? Yeah. Well, well, all the police are at the hospital now. So like, He went he with them. He didn't even know. Yeah, yeah. Like, they he brought did. him there, and he's like, oh, shit. I, I guess <laughs> but, I'll do my job while I'm here. Um it's this scene is pretty funny to me because it's like the the context is more or less that Coop is coming out of anesthesia after Doc Hayward pulled the bullet out of him. Which what kind of doctor is Doc Hayward? He's delivering babies. He's performing <laughs> abdominal surgery and trauma. He's uh, in general practice. Yeah, I guess, man. Like he's he's like quadruple board certified, man. He's just, what else is there to do than to get multiple, yeah, uh, like know. doctorates in twin Peaks? Like, um, I, I guess so. Will be gyn. I'm gonna go to bullet removal next. Yeah. Um. So he it, and so anyway, Coop is waking up and, uh, like. Harry and Lucy are just standing right over him like, okay, are you barely awake? Okay, here's all the important shit that happened at the end of Milburn, the episode. <laughs> like, Leo got shot, fucking this and that. Um, It's funny, too, because he's like, they're like, you need a rest. And he's like, now, nah, where there's a will, there's a way, basically. And, like, gets up. And he's like, it will take me a month to put on my clothes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just give me a few hours to get dressed. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, that's a that's a pretty good uh, little bit there. Yeah, they get, um, I I don't think we need to talk about that conversation much because no. it mostly is like mechanically recapping the stuff that happened. Yeah, it's like uh, last time on basically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, then we move over to Shelly and she's crying, um, and that's like quick. And then we cut back to like you know Coop and them. And they're walking, and their orderlies are pushing out Jacques Renault's body. It's Jacques, right? Mm-hmm. No, yeah, yeah. And he goes, is that bag smiling? And I actually kind of, like, rewind it to be like, like, oh, are there folds in the bag that are making it smile or whatever? But there's really not. He's just, like, talking nonsense. Well, he's referring to the giant's dream. Right, but, like, but, yeah, them, they're like, but, they're but like, I was like, yeah, yeah. I figured, like, if I went back, like, maybe the folds would, like, make it seem like a happy face or whatever, but it's, like, literally just a body. Maybe that bag smiling. I don't know. Any and they're bag. like, mm, anyway, let's yeah. keep walking down the hall. Um, a lot happens here because it's just, it goes kind of, like, over every single person. Because then we go to Renette, and she's, like, kind of starting to emerge from her coma. Yeah. And she still has bruises on her face. So I'm like, how fucking long has this been? 
Like, at this point, Laura's been dead for like four months and she's still all bruised up. Like, I feel like she would have been healed up a little bit. We think now. it's supposed to have been that long, though. Like, the passage of time is really strange on this well, show. Well, we've talked about this on the yeah, show. Yeah, where yeah, it's yeah. Like, like almost, almost every episode, we're like, how many days is this supposed to have been? Well, like, certain episodes are like one day, but like 36 hours. It doesn't. Yeah. Make sense, yeah. So, um, so, yeah, she's like waking up and stuff. And I have to say, I wrote this down specifically for me. But both Shelly and Renette, great brows. They look great. I'm <laughs> Somebody's like, maintaining them while she's in there. Yeah, they're like, they're like beauty services coming in. Because I was like, wow, all right. That's just something I'm going to notice. So, um, so yeah, we, it's like a quick overlay of like, here are these people in the hospital. Uh, nothing really happened. She doesn't say anything interesting. She's just like, like whatever. Um, then <laughs> we're going to go to the Palmer house. Palmer it's house. a joy to be yeah. there. Um, and we have Maddie just staring at this rug, right? Like just the rug, whatever. And Sarah is actually for once attempting a normal fucking conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, like this is like the only time in the show where Sarah gets like a line that's that's a human sort of a human being thing. She's like, so say, you yeah. miss your mom? Like, you know, like very like Maddie's been there for a while now. She's like, you know, you miss your family, like whatever. And Maddie, of course, has to be like, no, we're not gonna talk normal. I had the strangest dream about this rug, which to me means I had the most boring dream of all time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, somehow in the midst of this, we get uh, Leland emerging from behind <laughs> this weird living room screen. And the the bit here is that we... We know that he just went and murdered Jack Renault. I mean, the the show plays a little bit like it's not; it could be somebody else, but it's it's him. Um, and we he, the the reveal here is that he comes out and his hair is like shock white now, basically. Um, and he but he's like dancing and singing and happy and he's stuff like that. wouldn't you? And they're like, okay. <laughs> sure. well, I, I wrote this Palmer House scene feels like the pilot for Rabbits, that show that's inside yeah. of uh, <laughs> Inland Empire. <laughs> um, I have just, an amazing Rabbits painting that someone did. I don't didn't know. He put there. out something new related to Rabbits recently. Yeah, and I think he screened it or something. I don't oh, okay. remember exactly. Um, anyway, um, it, it's like they all feel like they're from different galaxies or something in yeah it's scene, very disjointed which, yeah and yeah. what's strange is like sarah's the most normal out of all yeah, of yeah, yeah. scene which is just not, historically not true and will continue to not be to not be true yeah um i have to say though ray weiss like i would listen to an album of him singing <laughs> yeah yeah fucking fantastic everything he, he does is great he bats so above his average on this show i mean not that he's not always great but he's just knocking it out of the park with every ludicrous thing that gets asked of him on this show and of, of course they're like horrified because his hair has changed overnight and stuff but he's like it's cool and then just he continues to yeah. sing into the kitchen um and then we have like then like maddie lightly hallucinates for a few minutes yeah, and, and it's literally just like the carpet gets a little darker in one spot. And it's then horrifying it, to her. It's undark, but it's it's supposed to be like it. The show treats it almost exactly the same way as 
Sarah seeing uh, visions in the house up to this point. Uh, it's it's really it's really bizarre. <laughs> She's like super horrified, and then the scene just ends. It's like, okay, well, that was weird, but whatever. Uh, then we then I that my next note is Ben and Barry are talking crimes. Yeah. With, this is a really good Prime scene for, for a not obvious reason, but uh, right. they, they're so Ben and Jerry walk into Ben's office, well known as the place of lots of skullduggery at this point, and will continue to be. Um, they, we get that um, uh, Leland has gone to work. He's feeling so great. He's come come back to work, and he comes in still singing while. Ben and Jerry are discussing crimes. Yeah, and it's, you think you think this scene is crime chat, but it's not. But it's not. What it really is is an absolutely insane bonkahog <laughs> improv dance scenario. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm watching this in real time. I don't know if you saw my eyes shoot open. I did. Just <laughs> I knew exactly what you were seeing, <laughs> and I'm gonna guess it was that dive from the stairs yeah. to the rug that yes. Jerry does. The worm. The worm. Yeah. It's like sort of a worm, though. It's like the yeah, first it's like half, a half of the worm. worm. Um, it's incredible. And Ben's on his desk, like, like yeah. yeah. And they're just so into Marzi notes. <laughs> um, so good. Uh, one sec, and we can edit this out. I know it's probably, but if you're watching in real time, just like a, a trigger warning that at the end there's going to be Bob stuff. Yes, thank you so much for okay, that. Uh, but I, I did, I look at the um, stuff ahead. Although I'm trying to get over this. I'm trying to use this to get past it. Yeah. Um, but thank you for that. Yeah. You're welcome. And we yeah. just kept it. But I, I meant to tell you that at the beginning. But Yeah, no worries. Um, but yeah, okay. So this, <laughs> it, it, this is like hands down one of my favorite scenes of the show in its entirety. It's like kind of quick too, but it's just so strikingly it's silly. It's so strange. <laughs> and it's like, it. I don't know. Yeah, it's iconic. This if this scene was in any other television show, we'd be like, "What the fuck is this?" You know. <laughs> but somehow, but somehow, it's like, "Yeah, this is normal. This is happening." Like, <laughs> I'm trying to think of shows that were on around that time, like The Commish. Oh yeah. Yeah. Michael Chiklis, like, which I would watch. It's <laughs> <laughs> incredibly love- funny. Um. Yeah. So. So again, like, it's just we. Oh, Leland's back, baby. That's what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back. And back in a way that's very creepy and unsettling. and <laughs> But also very cheerful, which I yeah. can appreciate. Yeah. Um, and there's good dancing. <laughs> that, yeah, it's amazing scene. Incredible scene. Uh, then we're going to unfortunately move away from it into just like the forensics of like this Leo shooting. Yeah. Okay, like- so so a lot of details happen in this scene, but I will say my biggest takeaway and my note here is in all caps, I wrote, Albert! <laughs> so at least Albert's back, baby. <laughs> I wrote, oh my God, Albert. <laughs> but also I have a little asterisk next to, there's an amazing squirrel statue on their TV and I'm really into it. <laughs> there's so, a lot of interesting interior decor in there. When, like, yeah, it's actually kind of rad for like, Leo. For Leo's fucked up house. Uh, <laughs> it's it's funny, uh, Coop goes into the whole, uh, back to was standing outside the window and shot inward, blah, blah, blah. It's, it mentions, like, random fixtures in the house as he does that. These same geese were flying that evening and it's, like, like a wall plate of a few geese yeah. that are just flying. It's it's like, it has nothing to do with anything he's talking about. It's just laid into the scenario. 
My, I like to, he's like, oh, and this is a heavy, it's like one of those big console TVs that look like a bureau. And he's yeah. like, he's like, someone moved this. And, and <laughs> Harry like looks at like, cause like there's the imprint on the rug of it being, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he looks at it very intently like, wow. Powerful Great detective work. And, uh, you know, he's like, it couldn't have been Shelly cause she's skinny or like whatever. But yeah, yeah. yeah here comes. Yeah. Oh, and before we get to Albert, we also have Hawk, who's like, more Flesh World guys. Found some fucking Flesh Worlds. They're everywhere. And then Coop goes, oh, what issue is this? Like, like with, yeah, with yeah. the idea being that it's a new issue, but like, that they haven't looked at before, but I guess it comes off very much like, oh, I haven't seen this one. Yeah, I'm so excited. Nice. Um, and then as... As this reveal of Albert is Albert is pulling up, right, with his yeah. like, FBI buds, Andy is outside. He just like has a stick and he's like poking at the ground, <laughs> and it's like almost like like you don't even notice it at first, but it's like they're like Andy, go out there and look at the leaves. It, <laughs> like we can't have you bundling up the. Well, and it, it's really interesting to watch the Bree infantilization of Andy following his hero moment uh, at the end of last season where he shot uh, Jacques when he tried yeah. to draw down on uh, Truman. But then, like, and then Andy was all puffed up, and then uh, he got this, like, pregnancy news from Lucy, and now he's back to the same fuck up that he was before like <laughs> if not even further down in the fuck up zone than he previously was and it's funny too because he starts like hollering for them like yeah like but it's very much like uh i mean i just saw jaws the other day but you know like when they think there are sharks in the ocean but it's really in the pond part and the girl's like shark, shark there's a shark in the pond and it's really bad acting that's yeah. the same energy that andy's like uh Albert is here. Uh, like, it's just so goofy. Like, just get up and so help. he starts. He starts running back towards the house as he sees Albert and his like two randos who like always seem to show up with him and then immediately vaporize. From yeah, the, like we have the no continuity. idea. Like, like yeah. they always come roll in with him and then they're just gone. Like, I don't know. Drivers. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, like he runs back. He steps on a board and another like extremely like. Uh, slapstick thing it hits him in the face um and the bit is that he's accidentally uncovered this piece of evidence that's under the planking but for the remainder of the scene he just does a goofy like like yeah cartoon, like, a, like wobble with where, like, yeah his knees are bent and it almost yeah, like yeah, yeah. he's going to fall down and it, like it gets has. it goes from like kind of funny to like kind of unsettling and his face starts bleeding yeah <laughs> it's just like it, it goes to straight up uncomfortable territory and they're like and just good job going. andy you yeah. did it and he's like <laughs> it's like not good it's very upsetting but yeah they find there's like boots and like coke a bunch of drugs so they know, were they're specifically looking for the drugs but it reminds me of that thing forever ago that we made fun of i'm like episode two or whatever where leo goes leo needs a new pair of boots bobby or yeah. whatever it's like he got some boots <laughs> they were contraband well what's really funny too though is like this is a terrible hiding spot like yeah yes feasibly under the porch would be a good hiding spot but not if you're not going to secure the board anyone could have stepped on that and it would have just 
fluffed up. Yeah. So yeah. she's like, try harder, whatever. Um, we go from there to Donna and Maddie at the double R. And there's a lot of tension in this scene between well, them. But before we get to Donna and Maddie, I want to draw attention to what we actually smash cut to there, which is some guy who looks like he was like pulled out of like a, a like junkyard heap or something who goes hot damn that pie is good and then walks out of the time they have to really establish that it's, it's a spot for pie spot for like, pie as if the rest of the characters don't spend the whole episode talking about the pie because right? they do it comes it up several like times a pie oriented episode for some reason um but yeah, we have this thing where like Maddie's like, here's Laura's glasses you wanted. And then Donna's like, thanks. And it's like she's trying to be super cool, which she does for the rest of the episode. And yeah. it's very upsetting to me. It's like, stop trying to be cool. <laughs> yeah, Donna's doing this thing like I pulled this once like Scooby-Doo heist uh Jacoby's place and now I've decided I'm a career criminal. <laughs> it's my yeah, whole vibe. Yeah. She has very um very like did you ever see Jawbreaker? Yeah. Like that movie. She has very Rose McGowan energy in this. And and just very like, you know, the femme fatale in the Maltese Falcon or whatever, like kind of energy. Like she's I've seen these movies from the 1940s. I'm gonna try to emulate this. It's so silly. And um, then then Maddie crushes her own glasses and she's like, I'm not wearing these anymore. But can she help me out here i didn't remember it this never comes up again right like i don't I, think it does i don't think it does i i get the sense that it's because of this weird like kind of vague competition uh for between james. Them over, over james of all fucking people that and we're gonna get a lot more into this in i believe next episode but um oh god uh so that's that's another thing. This whole episode, I spent the whole time thinking both the thing I'm most excited to talk about on this show and the thing I'm least excited to talk about in this show are imminent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought uh, that too, and I'm like, oh, we were talking yeah. about it yesterday, and I'm like, yeah, every episode we're like, there are things <laughs> coming up that are, coming that, up are, that are both yeah. wondrous and horrifying. And isn't that the Lynchian way? It, it truly is, from the twisted mind. Um, um, but I'm like, but I'm like, she has, okay, first of all, she has these comically oversized glasses. Right. Who does that? Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but she, yeah, she crushes them. She's like, I never want to wear these again. And it's like, okay, but do you have contacts? Because you've literally worn these the entire time. That yeah. Or are you saying that the glasses were always fake? In which case, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> yeah, like, what, well, what is happening with these? It's weird. So. And, I mean, the vibe I get is just that it's like a, a kind of visual play on, oh, well, I'm going to try to distinguish myself from you now that you're wearing these glasses or whatever. But yeah. if there's a lot more than that going on, I'm lost because I, um, <laughs> yeah. I do love, um, I'm historically not a huge fan of the Maddie character, but I do love that she leans in and makes this crazy face and goes, Uncle Leland's hair turned white. <laughs> and then Donna leans in and she's like, Weird. <laughs> it's like 
it's honestly to me like kind of the only believable yeah it like, is like moment of this whole scene this, it's, it's like this for a feels like just, teenagers interacting with each other that yeah it's like, uh, like and, and like not wanting the people next to them to hear or what. yeah and then norma comes by with a letter that was delivered for donna to the double r which weird but anyway. yeah yeah, I, I wrote that exact same thing. Like, why the fuck is Donna getting mail at the double R? And we know she that doesn't this, work there. Yeah, yeah. And we know that this letter is kind of given to her under strange circumstances. And we again we'll get a little more about this later. But what's it what's odd to me is like Norma doesn't seem to think it's weird. Like, oh, like Donna, why the hell are you getting mail at my business? Like this doesn't make any sense. Like You're, if it were <laughs> Shelly, okay, Shelly works there or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. But yeah, and she yeah, she's like, oh, here's a letter for you. Yeah, yeah, a letter for you came here. I don't know. It's says, so weird. Look into me- the Meals on Wheels. We know Laura used to volunteer yeah. and, for. So. Not, not, I know, not even the Meals on Wheels program. <laughs> the Meals on Wheels. The Meals on Wheels. I thought that was weird, too. <laughs> Which is not, a phrasing of that that nobody on Earth uses. <laughs> especially Meals on Wheels. <laughs> yeah. um, um, I, I don't want to miss this line that Donna has... Um, because before they get up to this end point of the conversation, Maddie's just kind of fretting in general about like Dr. Jacoby's in the hospital. We sent him off on something. They don't know how he got jumped in the heart attack and all that. She's just like, it's something we did at fault. And Donna says, and I'm going to take this as lynch on causality. Maybe the sun won't come up if you wash your hair. Think like that and you'll go crazy. <laughs> what? <laughs> I didn't wash my hair yet today. <laughs> So what's your up. point, loser? Yeah. <laughs> um, and she's like, we got to keep it safe, which is like, you know, her femme fatale thing. Which yeah, is yeah, yeah. Stupid. Um, it's like, stop. Stop trying. Yeah. I don't like it. Um, yeah, that's kind of that scene. I don't know if you want to say anything else before we go over to my favorite girl, Margaret Landerman. Yeah, okay. I mean, that was going to be the thing. I wanted to make sure we mentioned. Who's just like hanging out in a back booth chewing gum and spitting on the wall. Yeah. And, like, and I'm like, okay, yeah, because it's been a while since I watched this episode. I'm like, all right, yeah, she's like listening in on them or whatever. But no, she just takes another piece of gum and sticks it in her mouth. And that's like her entire, that's it. She doesn't come back. To yeah, 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 yeah. I, I mean, I, I think the uh, purpose of her being there is probably to drive home for us that something is afoot with this messaging that Donna is yeah. receiving and stuff. But they just turn it into like a joke shot, insert shot of her. I'm like, I love her so much, but I love her so much, but she's so gross in this scene. Like, have some respect. (laughs) I mean, have some respect for Norma. She's never done anything wrong to you. And interesting coming, the gum sticking thing coming from her after like slapping Coop's hand for taking the tea biscuits to her. Yeah. (laughs) She's she's a woman of conflicting morals. Uh, So anyway, then we go over to some, I, I just Albert stuff here. So, yeah. so continuing the theme of anybody with a medical background can do any medical stuff whatsoever. Albert, as a forensic investigator, is doing a medical examination on Coop and his bullet wound. Great. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, so like he's in there like listening to him breathing and like somehow we're supposed to get from this. He knows the type of gun that was used, how far away the guy was, how tall he was, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, what I do like about it is they're bickering as usual about, yeah. uh, um, you know, Coop being like, you need to be more reasonable about being out here in 
the hinterlands and uh, Albert having a really bad attitude about the country bumpkin stuff. He's and, so mean. He's yeah, like really mean. Yeah, and Coop says, <laughs> "There's this good exchange where Coop says, where does this attitude of general unpleasantness come from?'" <laughs> and then Albert says, "I'll have to get back to you on that." Um, <laughs> During my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, there's not a lot more that happens with that. Uh, Andy comes in. Uh, Albert's mean to him for no reason. That's he hates it. Andy. Yeah, yeah. He's so mean to Andy. And Andy hates him. <laughs> yeah, which is awesome. Like, stand up for yourself. That's like Andy has a distaste for him that is palpable. I'm like, we'll good get, for you, bub. We'll get there, I think. But Andy yes, adjacent, Andy adjacent, we have Lucy up front and uh, our friend, the shoe salesman with one arm comes back and he just sort of walks in to the police station. <laughs> I want to say, though, before we go to that, uh, they do say that Leo was in jail in Hungry Horse. Oh, that, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's what Andy comes in to uh, say. On, is that on the, February yeah. 9th of 1988, uh, which, which is like, it's, which means he is not responsible for killing Teresa Banks because his yeah. alibi is he was in jail. And, and the idea is that if he wasn't, uh, if he was obviously not the perpetrator of the first murder in the series then he probably was not the perpetrator of this murder right. and this goes back to the giant sketch clue about about leo a being in a hungry horse yeah yeah um yes but yeah so, then we go to mike just shoes. mike shows up with some shoes yeah <laughs> good for him good for still him just, uh, still at the hustle huh still hustling yeah, yeah, out yeah. there with your shoes <laughs> uh I don't even think like anything comes of this. He's just not like, in this episode. I, he just yeah. walks in to be like, I'm gonna, I'm trying to sell some shoes. And Lucy, Lucy? is very like, Lucy is picking up on negative vibes here. Yeah. She's just like, shoes. She's an empath at heart. She, she is. <laughs> I think that's exactly true. I can't wait um, until we get to talk about her son. Oh. Well, <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, there's just like that very and then what do I have here I, Jean, oh uh, James and Truman are talking and they're listening to Laura's tape and this is funny because when Maddie and and Donna were talking they were like James isn't going to tell the cops anything and he's like here's a tape of Laura talking <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and it I also wrote, comes back in a funny way in a bit too I wrote here is it me they styled James's hair a little to make his to forehead cover right. up the forehead. Right. It's a different <laughs> yes. It's like combed forward a bit more. Because uh, he he like <laughs> historically I do not care for James, but he looks good here. He looks better. And, yeah. And what's funny is Fritz said to me. Is this the Fritz thinks? <laughs> he's like, I think it's the bronzer. <laughs> and he's like, I think James is the only person in the world who looks good with bronzer on. That's incredibly funny, and I think that might be true. Yeah. I also and think... I was like trying to dissect why James looked better. Looked and better, yeah. Obviously get a screenshot of this and post it when That's, this episode That goes bronzer point is very funny. I... I'm a I'm a James Hare truther because of this scene because <laughs> yeah. see this here is season one James okay yeah. and as we just mentioned season two James the five head is a little less of a thing. yeah and, and trust and it's me like, as a woman think, five head yeah, yeah I know that when I have bangs it definitely yeah. hurts I think that he legitimately got 
the same haircut, but just let this part grow out longer to try to cover it. <laughs> he looks great in this scene. I want to do a side by side too, so for like comparison's sake. Yeah, we should do that. <laughs> it's, it's Definitely. Um, um, and again, he's talking to Truman, and he's just like Laura, like with drugs all the time. And we went to the woods, and she was saying all sorts of weird stuff, like, "Would you like to play with Bob?" And he's like, Laura always said all this weird stuff, nutty stuff he says. But then he's just like, kind of like, he's like, you didn't really think much about it. Why not? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Laura was always talking nonsense as if she was always completely out of her mind on drugs and probably getting like abuse from every life. It's just weird. I never really thought about it. It brings up some interesting questions about James, which I think we'll also probably spend some time thinking about if and when we get to the film. Uh, but the the deal is either A, he knew the whole time she was just like a hardcore weirdo drug addict and was just sort of choosing to just, I, I don't care about that stuff. Or B, he is the densest motherfucker <laughs> alive because like, it's so weird. Like it makes sense given what we know about her through this investigation that like she was on drugs a lot. She was had a lot of abuse incoming from different angles. She was reacting to that stuff. But like a lot of these characters are acting like, oh, nobody knew this stuff. And it's it, it like, especially in James's case, it feels troubling. Like, yeah. I, I know a big part of it is supposed to be this idea of like small town hypocrisy and like people, uh, you know, deliberately turning a blind eye to that. But James is just dumb, you know? Like, yeah, no, he's not smart enough like, to turn a blind eye. Yeah, it, it's, <laughs> it's like, like, okay. Yeah, yeah, whatever. She just I, says I, weird stuff all the time. Like, I, I feel like James is coming from the angle of, like, I'm lucky enough this, this hot girl is sleeping with me. Yeah, I'm not like, going to Yeah, I'm not, not going not gonna to push it. Not going to ask too many questions. What did, what did, um, uh, handsome James. Handsome oh, boy excellent. James. Yeah, see? He looks... <laughs> Like, compare that to this image on my Zoom background. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, we'll do it side by side for sure. Um, And then Coop comes in, and he's like, I want Laura's necklace. And he's like, okay, yeah. And then he goes, we found it was in a coconut. And they're like, a coconut? (laughs) They're like, what? Wow. Which is like, obviously, this like Jacoby sort of like connection or whatever right but the way he just says it was in a coconut is like so and, and then coop of all like insane bullshit that he believes and uh <laughs> focuses on like like he's a cartoon dog or something like you found it in a coconut um and then it's like toby I didn't figure he had anything to do with this. And I'm like, that seems disingenuous. Yeah, yeah. I, I, think, you, I think you did think he had something to do with it. Yeah. Um, uh, and then yeah. Donna, this is where Donna, like, like femme fatale her way into that. Okay, but before we move into that scene, though, I do want to mention in the first part of that uh, scene we just talked about, before Coop comes in, when it's just James and uh, Truman talking, uh, and we know in this episode in particular, Albert spends a lot of time shitting on the police work that they've been yeah. doing here at the sheriff's office. But this is horrible police work. Like, basically, Truman is interviewing him and being like, okay, so you were involved in this, like, known drug addict and drug trafficker. Uh, we found a bunch of coke in your motorcycle. And James goes, you know I didn't do that. And Truman goes, 
yeah, okay, yeah, you probably did. (laughs) What? (laughs) Like, I mean, we know he didn't do that, but certainly Truman doesn't know that. (laughs) Oh, God, yeah, it's it's sloppy at best. Um, So, yeah, then we have Donna who, like, bad girls her way into this, into the the police station. (laughs) There's, like, a wolf whistle, like, like, I yeah, yeah. but it's like, who did that? Is yeah. that part of the soundtrack? <laughs> I wrote that as well. I'm like, where where am I supposed to understand that this wolf whistle comes from? Because yeah, it's like, not is from this part Lucy. of the music? Yeah, yeah. It's not Lucy. Is someone sitting in the lobby and does this? <laughs> Maybe it's that was so Mike. Of- he was sitting in the lobby waiting to sell his shoes. And he was like, hey, like, who's the babe like, coming in? Hot damn, I'm going to try to sell her some shoes. Um. It's just very out of place for such yeah. like a it, like. It, it reminds obviously me. Obviously, there's weird shit happening in this episode, but that just to me like. It reminds me a lot of that one insert thing in episode one or two where they were watching the Laura video and there was that weird help me top over and they seemed to come from nothing and mean nothing. <laughs> but yeah, okay, so and then Lucy's like kind of like wow about Donna, which is funny. Um, uh, her bad girl image continues and there's this awful James and Donna scene the worst it's the worst but I have to say Donna's nails look great in the scene (laughs) like I just am noticing these things especially since I chew my nails like if I don't get them done I chew them and obviously I'm not gonna go get them done so um her nails look great but there's all this like terrible like tension and attempts at double entendre that like don't actually mean anything and (laughs) And she's like making out with him through the bars, and he's kind of like not into it, which is yeah. like, yeah, I, uh, it's one. Of, it's one of those things where it's like uncomfortable, but I think we're supposed to read it that way. Like she's yeah. obviously trying she's too hard. Trying, he's, yeah, he's reacting poorly to it. Like the scene is yucky. Yeah, it's it's supposed to be yucky. So, <laughs> but says, it's it mission accomplished. <laughs> he's like, since when do you smoke? And she's like, I smoke when I'm tense. And then she says, and I'm tense because I smoke. And it's like, <laughs> you've been smoking for four minutes. Like, yeah, you're not but, addicted to cigarettes yet. Well, like, and I also, I, I find that bit funny for another reason, which is that it, he, she's like, I smoke when I'm tense. And he goes like, why are you tense? Uh, I don't know, because our friend got murdered and we spent the last, like, several days pulling off a weird Scooby-Doo heist to try to get her out, and my boyfriend's in jail. Like, my, my new, be tense. My super new boyfriend, who's our dead friend's boyfriend, and, and now he has the huts for her cousin. Yeah. Like, lots of bad stuff happening. Yeah. I, James, <laughs> it's pretty reasonable that Donna would, would be tense. <laughs> but as we've established, James is dumb. He's dumb. He is dumb. Uh, yeah, this whole scene is yucky. Um, then, this is great, Andy and Lucy are tasked with the incredibly horny assignment of going through each Flesh World issue, <laughs> trying to find, um, is it Teresa that they're tr- trying to find? Is that who it is? Yeah, and yeah. Oh, this is, this it's is like so funny. It's like the horniest thing. Yeah, it's like... I, and- this this whole scene is so funny where like they're hauling the boxes in and I, I think it's like Hawk who's like yeah yep it was really really nice of Flesh World to cooperate with us and send us every <laughs> like back issue that they have. Finally, procedural work or like whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And then 
they so Cooper is like, I don't want any trouble out of you two. You're gonna sit here and read every single issue of this porno magazine until you find <laughs> And there's like ninety-eight issues. Yeah. <laughs> until and... you find this one girl who got murdered in the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> like five years ago at this. And Andy's like kind of chivalrous here and he's like, I feel uncomfortable doing this with you here. And she's like, We're both professionals. And then opens it and immediately it does like again like that kind of dog cartoon like whoa <laughs> <laughs> like, like just this cute little like gas she's like oh yeah. <gasps> and it's like wow house money is flesh world I need to know <laughs> I want to call well they they got some random pictures of Leo's trucks so. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> pretty good <laughs> <laughs> sexy it's just I was like wow this is an incredibly horny assignment yeah kind of and also, of course, it plays up on this weird tension between them right now. Weird romantic tension so, between them. Yeah. And the way so, Andy, when he sits down, is like, I have to say, Lucy, I feel vaguely uncomfortable doing this thing <laughs> with you here in this situation. It's like, oh my it's God. Cute. It's very cute. Okay, we're going to go back to the hospital. And I need to just preface, because we're going to spend a, a bit of time in the hospital, but I need to preface it with, like this weird like cafeteria food so funny this is one of my favorite bits of the show (laughs) so weird too right because it's like are aliens preparing this because it's just like the the segmented tray and each segment has just slop in it like brightly colored different brown and green yeah it's like like there keep being all these jokes about it, and like every scene is like, like the new... camera will cut to the food, and the, you hear like a weird synth, like whoa, <laughs> and it's on the food. It, it's like, like what? I genuinely just think it's like a the unfunny joke of like hospital food is bad, and then he just indulged it the whole way, way through the episode. And what's super funny about it too is like. In my experience, hospital food's not that bad. So, like, <laughs> I don't just don't have that experience. <laughs> I know it's anecdotal, but, um, but yeah, it's just like this food thing is hilarious to me, and it happens a lot. So we're here, and and we're in Jacoby's room where they're kind of grilling him about having Laura's necklace, and he has just this bad shit. The, the nurse is like, I think he ate a little. <laughs> and Jacoby like physically recoils he's like Ugh, I didn't eat that but he has this like bad shit expl- explanation which is true that he's like you know he's following he saw James and Donna and they were going into the woods so of course he followed them because the cop he noticed that the cop like everyone's spying on each other in this right yeah town which which is actually pretty believable considering it is small town. yeah but um <laughs> my experience like, as well but then he's like, I, but then he's like, I went and they like buried this, so I took it, uh, and and you know, it's it's Laura because she is a divided heart. She lived a double life, and then he posits this idea that uh, she had reached a sort of peace, and they were like, Do you think she? They were like, She didn't kill herself, if that's what you're implying. And he says, No, but I think she allowed herself to be killed. put herself she, into this scenario. Yeah, she yeah. came to this realization that that this was going to happen to her and she was not going to fight it, which is like kind of like the nicest thing that Jacoby says. Yeah, time. and, and like, like just about his most insightful moment as a psych. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> usually he's just doing creeper shit. But <laughs> yeah, but he's just like, this is actually a kind of a tender way to think about it. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's just like, he's genuinely sad she's dead, but like 
almost saw like you know i don't know if you've ever had like somebody in your life where you're like that person's yeah. not gonna make it yeah, yeah and then they don't and yeah. you're like well okay i'm not really super surprised but like it's so sad you yeah, know yeah no i i think it's it like comes a- off as pretty believable too uh the one thing that bugs me about it is it, we have the same thing that happens here that happens in the james harry situation earlier where he's like hey i did this super creepy thing where i pursued these two kids that you lost when you were pursuing them and i bet and, and i guess like the whole i guess the reason they buy it is because they're like we were the people in pursuit we know this thing happens so this yeah. matches up with our experience but like the way they just sort of go like oh yeah okay that seems that yeah sense. that's a good Fine. explanation yeah it's like uh i mean again we know it's true but it's also like uh it's it feels like a they don't easy. bother to even yeah. try to look into it a little yeah, further yeah. they're just, just like yeah well, we believe him it's like this dude is creepy as hell like why <laughs> yeah I and know. uh he says they, they talk about shock dying right yes. and yes. um and he says that like He's like, oh, I smelled a peculiar smell. And they're like, oh, like, did he shit himself, basically? Like, <laughs> they evacuate their bowels. And, stuff. and he says, no, it's, it was like oil, like scorched engine oil. So we have this sort of yeah. mysterious, like almost spiritual thing happening surrounding Jock's death. So I wonder what that's all about. I'm sure we'll figure it out. Probably not. Yes. So now we're going to cut to Bobby and Shelly. And Bobby is looking good here. Yeah. Like, I love how, like, between seasons, they were like, we got to sex up these guys a little. Yeah. <laughs> Make them a little bit more palatable or whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I think they did. Yeah, it, it shows. Yeah, he looks good. He, very 90s, mm-hmm. but he looks very good here. Uh, and then, again, with the food, he's like, you deserve better food than this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, this food thing is just bizarre. And then it's cute because they're kind of like, oh, like, they kind of do this cute, like, snuggly thing. And they well, pull each other's hair, <laughs> like, like, wah, 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 like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Knucklehead. like at the same time though. And I thought that that was really cute. It's really like, cute. I, I will note Bobby in a very character consistent moment, Bobby pulls out the absolute shittiest bouquet of flowers I have ever seen. <laughs> it's like the tiniest, deadest, like <laughs> yellow flowers. I was like, did he pull these off the road? But there's it, it literally looks like that. So he definitely just got them at like the gas station. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this is probably actually, an Ed's. Yeah, yeah. He's like, hey, big Ed, do you have any? Um, this is actually like a really cute scene because I think for the most part, I don't take Bobby and Shelly seriously as a couple. They're just right. kind of like two kids like fooling around and like and breaking Bobby, rules and- or whatever, but. Bobby in but, particular is constantly in over his head and clearly is and it's just like and, and you know Shelly has her own issues and it feels like her being with Bobby is mostly an outgrowth of you know her wanting to be with somebody who likes her who isn't Leo you know <laughs> so, yeah yeah it's just like an escapism sort of right. thing but here in this scene I feel like they are genuinely affectionate to yeah. and for each other like there's a, an actual sort of love there uh him saying bobby's gonna take care of everything or whatever again <laughs> historically not true yeah yeah it's so funny because it's like bobby literally watched somebody else shoot leo and then he goes <laughs> guess what bobby's gonna make it so he doesn't hurt us anymore yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah. no actually uh, else did that but, but uh he yeah he kind of gives her a little update like oh there's cops outside of Leo's room and she like explains like you know he took me there he tied me up he set the place on fire 
And uh, then Bobby gets to second on primetime television, no. which is yeah. good for him. He's like, he looks down her shirt and he's like, and then like goes in with the whole instrumentation and stuff. Yeah, he's like, Dr. Bobby's going to make you feel better. Uh, he's going to give you 10 cc's of dick. <laughs> but like, but like the way they act towards each other though is like, you kind of like end up rooting for them. It's like they look, they, they just like look for the first time to me, like they genuinely love each other and are, and he's relieved she's okay. And like, and like, and the, the thing with the hair, I think struck me as very cute, like where they pulled each other's hair because it implies that they have this sort of like thing that they do with each other. Like, you know, like a mannerism that you only have when you're in a couple, like every couple has like this kind of weird, yeah. like, like you hug each other weird. You do like a funny yeah, yeah, like, yeah. thing or whatever. And it's just kind of like, you don't really ever see that for the most part they're just like quick let's fuck before leo can well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah yeah and also it sort of suggests a distinction between because leo always uh interacts with her in terms of violence and this yeah. is like very Affecting. clearly play you know so it's like i think building that dichotomy makes sense i also feel like this closing moment is it works it where works she's like I love you, and he's like, I love you too, I guess. And then he's like, kind of like thinking about it, and goes, yeah, I love you too, I guess. <laughs> Which is, <laughs> it's it's very Bobby, but you can tell he means it, whatever the fuck yeah. it is he means. And yeah. can, she reacts to it like, well, that's sort of disappointing, but also like, I can tell he means it. So, you yeah. know, like, the, the, the whole dynamic, I think, actually comes across really well. It's, know? like, not quite what she wanted to hear, but it's probably more than she's heard. So yeah, it's, yeah. like, kind of... And it's, and it's also, maybe she realizes, I mean, he's obviously not on the same level of maturity she's at, and she's not very mature either. So it's, like, kind yeah. of, like, you know, at least there's an element of truth to the way they're interacting here. In the and you always, you do also have to remember that these are kids. Yeah, yeah, especially Bobby's, Bobby. Like Bobby's supposed to be like like a year a year or two older than Aiden. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. like he's supposed to be like seventeen or something, and she's only like nineteen or so. Like, right. so it's like these are like actual like children. <laughs> like right, you, you know, right. you, I think people tend to forget that because they obviously aren't played by children, and they're right. they're very grown up ish. But um, then we we're gonna cut to Albert being a fucking dick again for no reason. Just, <laughs> Big Ed is outside Nadine's room. She's tried to kill herself. And Albert's, like, being fucking mean about it. It's like, dude, like, his wife just tried to kill herself. Like, what's your well, problem? I, I, the, it's, the way that it transitions to the scene is Bobby leaves the room. And uh, um, it's as Coop, Albert, and Harry are walking in. And Harry's like, oh, what's, uh, what's Bobby doing here? He doesn't look sick. And <laughs> Albert says, you know see this kind of investigative genius at work is just a real treat for me. <laughs> what an asshole. <laughs> yeah, how he doesn't get his ass kicked every just, moment of the day is beyond me. It, it must be so fun to write his lines. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, There's a what's freedom the most, in being cruel. So. Yeah, like, like, what's the most possible asshole thing to say in this scenario? <laughs> uh, um, but, um... Uh, it's funny too because this like kind of implies that it's just the next day or whatever. Yeah. But Big Ed like has this like legit five o'clock shadow that like he didn't have like what would have been an hour and a half. Like he's still in his like like snappy like, like casino. His gear. cowboy dandy outfit that he was <laughs> yeah. wearing earlier. Yeah. Uh, um, and, uh, yeah. That whole thing's really good. Uh, this 
this scene is another one that plays is very genuine to me. I think there's a lot of good in this episode. The writing and this the performances episode... match up a lot, and they really give us a lot of the character. I, I mean, honestly, I think that's what the longer format does, is I think those sort of long-form character moments and conversations work a lot better uh, for letting us care about these characters, whereas some of the other, like, regular length episodes are just like, here's a thing that happened, and another thing that yeah. happened, and another thing Very that quick. happened. Yeah. This episode, I feel, genuinely is excellent. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun It's funny because we tend to uh, frame a lot of this show uh, shitting all over this right. show love and it's like it almost comes off as a, we don't like it but yeah uh, which this is episode the opposite of true but yeah <laughs> I love it, but this episode in particular is very um it's just very good and this scene is very yeah uh, touching scene and it's very realistic in terms of like how people's lives tend to go yeah, and I don't I don't even think I want to talk too much about Ed's story here. It just sort of elucidates the dynamic between him, Norma, and Nadine, which we've mostly gotten from context up until now, but it it is performed well. Uh, the characters react the way you expect, like Coop is sympathetic, Harry's heard this story before, but this is just kind of his charge. Albert's being a dickhead. <laughs> like, it's kind of yeah, exactly yeah. what you think is going to happen here. Um, and it's just, it reinforces what, it reminds us of what the dynamic is between these characters. And uh, I do want, I, I, we don't have to talk about Super a lot, but I do want to definitely kind of just recap it because I think it's important okay. to note that, that uh, Ed and Norma had this legit long-term high school relationship where everyone thought that they were going to get married. Right. And then she kind of yeah, was yeah. like, ah, I'm young and bolted with Hank. And so in his grief, he picked up Nadine and then was like drunk and was like, let's get married, like, which is impulsive. But all these things are fair. And then, you know, Norma was heartbroken. So she just stayed with Hank and basically like. And was shackled to a criminal for the rest of her life. Yeah. And, you know, and then he was like, I want to annul this, whatever. And then he accidentally shot Nadine's eye out. Yeah. And he's basically been tethered to her with guilt this whole time yeah. while still obviously in love with Norma and Norma's in love with him. And I feel like this is very like, you know, the song Romeo and Juliet where it's like, it was just that the time was wrong. Like, yeah. I feel like it was, and Norma said that. At and it, it really was some dire straits. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were all in dire straits. But it, um, I, I just think it, it shows, I think it's important to just kind of recap what it is because I think it shows that Ed is a genuinely good person who is like, Nadine loves me. And so, like, even though he, uh, like, isn't in love with her, he, like, cares so much about her and that he doesn't He feels the her. need to honor that. Yeah. yeah. And it's yeah. No, nice. you're right. That's a, that's a good point. I kind of take it for granted that, like, Ed is the one character that I respect on the show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's just he's a genuinely good person yeah. who does not want to hurt this woman who has always just been in love with right. him and genuinely like you know like is in love with him and he's like well you know I don't really reciprocate like I can't I don't have it in me to hurt her so and it's sweet and he's definitely like torn up about her being in a coma like um we see him later like holding her hand and talking to her and it's it's really very sweet you know uh it's sad but yeah and then Albert's like 
that story's stupid. <laughs> He's like, that sucks, you nerd. <laughs> yeah, there's a great moment where you can see Albert like frowning at the cup of coffee. Yeah. Like, oh, this is He's just like, bad hit coffee. Yeah. What am I here for? Yeah. Which really makes him contrarian because if there's one thing we know for sure, it's That's that right. there's some damn fine coffee. <laughs> right, <drinks>. right. <laughs> That's the most established thing that we know. So Albert's just an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> He's just a curmudgeon. That's his whole deal. It's fine. <laughs> Guess the cops felt that James was uh, honest enough because he shows up. <laughs> yeah, well, well, but they, they do make a point here of saying it's like he's been brought, escorted there as like a special thing to see his... To see uncle, and they're going to take him back, which is weird. Like, this would never happen in real life. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> um, so they, there's a big James and Ed hug. It's cute, whatever. Uh, and then the cadaver bag is hanging on the wall of a room, and it looks like a smiley face, finally. So yeah. it looks like a big mouth. And so Coop walks by, and he's like, yeah, smiley bag. <laughs> Two clues that, done. <laughs> I did I did two of the clues, big man. It's like blues clues. It's like yeah. <laughs> find third pop ring. Yeah. Um so uh, Albert's being an asshole and Coop chastises him. No one's here for Albert's BS. Um and then and then this is great. The <laughs> doctor walks by and says, Nurse, you better speak to somebody in that kitchen. <laughs> Yeah, you better speak to somebody in the kitchen about the food. And Wrapping then, up the food. <laughs> well, and then we get like a brief insert shot of uh, Pete in the hospital bed there, like uh, in the oxygen mask because he's there being treated for smoke inhalation. Right, right. After he had his like powered up wife guy moment where he charged <laughs> right. into the fire at the end of the last season. Um, and it's the first we've seen of him alive and he like takes off his oxygen mask to sniff the food and then immediately is like dying and puts the oxygen mask. I think it's called a cannula. Like, oh yeah, it's a cannula. It's not a whole yeah. mask. Right. Yeah, and he, and he like, gr- he's like, Ugh, I'm not gonna eat that. <laughs> it's like, like we need to tie up these like food loose ends. It's like the guy that accidentally made fish coffee is like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I didn't know Pete has a discerning taste. I know. Uh, like literally everyone is in the hospital. Yeah. Um, Norma walks by. She because she, Norma comes to see Shelly. Obviously, she walks by and watches Ed, uh, you know, talking to Nadine and kind of sad but kind of sweet. Um, we cut away from the hospital. Finally, it's like we spent a long time there uh, to the double R, where he had another pie conversation is going to happen. Um, and this is like this scene. I think is so good like this is probably like one of the best scenes of of the show's entire run really uh we have major briggs meeting bobby and they they have like a moment sweet cat knocked my mouse down and muted me asshole (laughs) (laughs) um yeah no it's a it's a great moment and it's one of the um I mean, early on, the Major gets some lines that make him sort of memorable and interesting character, but I feel like this is kind of the moment that really shows us, oh, there's a lot more going on with this dude that we don't really know about yet, and uh, it kind of communicates early on what the importance of this character and his relationships to the people 
are going to play a bigger role, you know? <laughs> it's it's kind of sweet, too, because he gives a, a monologue to Bobby. But before that, Bobby asks him, like, what is it that you actually do? Which I think is kind of sweet because Bobby is very disconnected to any any sort of authority figure, especially, like, his own parents. So the fact that he's genuinely, like, interested, like, like I want to know. And, of course, it's classified. He can't tell him. But yeah. uh, I, this I, whole father-son thing is, like, yeah, the performances are pretty good here too. Like when um, um, Bobby asks him, "What is it you actually do?" You really get the sense that he's like, he's like, "I'm struggling to try a new thing to reach out." You know, like yeah. he, he communicates that pretty well. The way the major delivers his monologue, and he talks about uh, um, again without repeating it. Verbatim. I don't think we should repeat um, it because there's it no way we will do it at any sort and, of justice. And it also, the details of it aren't as important as sort of the image and the connection between the characters on the screen. So, in theory, you've watched this. It doesn't matter a ton, but he talks about essentially having a dream where he's returned to the source of his of his own self and in being there uh, is able to sort of make a connection with his son that he was not previously able to have essentially right. and, and it's not a dream like, it's a vision vision okay. that. Yeah, yeah yeah excuse you chris <laughs> well well and i know i mean that is important and that's actually that kind of distinction and that kind of distinction coming from this character is gonna communicate some import later on that it doesn't yeah. really quite communicate right now but i love um, this be because he says that he um he see bobby grown and happy mm -hmm. and that they have a moment and yeah. this touches Bobby, like he's like crying at the yeah. end of the scene. Yeah, yeah. And it's, <laughs> but then he's like, anyway, son, the Huckleberry Pie is fucking great. You <laughs> should try it. Uh, it but it kind of leaves Bobby with this sort of like emotional overload of like genuine love for his father. Like Bobby's full of genuine love in this episode, and it's like, yeah. And he's like, what's him. happening to me? He's like, <laughs> he's like when Peter Parker starts becoming Spider Man. And he's like, like, <laughs> he's like uh, um, it's, it's, yeah, it's like, oh, maybe there is something for me beyond running in the woods with deflated footballs or whatever the hell. <laughs> fish cocaine out of there. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, it's, it's definitely a scene that, uh, talking too much about really doesn't do it any justice. It's yeah. excellent, excellent scene. I, I excellent will say character. one thing that I find very interesting about it is the central image of, uh, the major's dream is that at the end of it, him and Bobby embrace. And he's like, and we feel like a truly connected people. There's nothing help withheld between us. And then when the major actually gets up here from eating, he's like, well, hope you had a good day, son. And they have like a firm handshake and he leaves. So it's yeah. like, it kind of communicates to you, like, here's where we want to be. Here's where we are, you know? Yeah. And, and this sort of, the gap in that is sort of built into the scene itself. And it's a, it's, it's a smartly put together scene. I think. The major is a good character because um, in the earlier episode where he has like a moment with Bobby, like about his emotions about Laura being dead, it's yeah. like, you would think of a, a major and like an, like a military person not being like able to emote or like, or like, uh, you just think toxic masculinity right. when the major really is more like, like even though he's rough about it and not 100% open, he's very open to like, feel your emotions. We should be connected. Like, and it's it's such like a duality because when I look at him, it's like, you just assume like, 
oh, don't cry, you pussy. Like, what? right, right. You know what I mean? and, and, and that's it, not him at all. It's and, and it's a character. Again, I think it's performed and written in a relatively clever way where it never feels inconsistent. Like, it doesn't yeah. feel weird that he's like that. Um, he and he does express some of those, like, sort of kind of negative traits that you would associate with that character type. But at the same time, he's also able to experience the that sort of additional complexity we do not expect from that character. And it implies some things about him that will be interesting to dig into as we go further. Yes. Um, then he's like, thanks, Hank, for the pie. And Hank's like, yeah. And Fritz called him a discount Patrick Swayze. <laughs> totally. He super <laughs> is. And he's like, yeah, Major. And he like salutes him. He's like, great. Yeah, I tried so hard on this Huckleberry pie. And it's like, I fucking hate this dude. Like, I hate everything about Oh, him. he's the worst. Yeah. He has, he has, at this point, he is the worst. Yeah, at this point. Later, other people will be the worst. But <laughs> at, this at this point, point with at this point, with Leo status unknown and with other like characters who other have characters not yet to be revealed or not quite on the scene yet, uh, like right now, Hank is the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. So that transitions into uh, Norma walking in, and she's pissed because of the whole seeing Ed with uh, Nadine thing. So she comes in, and Hank's like. Oh, how's uh, how's Shelly? And Norma's like, I, I, I don't want to time that. And he's like, he's like, well, come on, did you bring me the flowers? Like, come on, man, just regular guy stuff. I'm not a criminal. And then so she like goes into the back, and then he has this like, chicks, right? Moment with Bobby, and Bobby's like, yeah, chicks. <laughs> yeah. And, and, like, and then Bobby seems to suddenly realize, although it wasn't entirely clear if he could see who shot Leo in the last season, now we know. Like, it, yeah. is, it is clear. He's like, oh, yeah. Oh, shit. This dude shot that guy, like, right in front he of He shot him and then served my dad yeah. Huckleberry Pie like it was nothing. Well, and then he's also, like, the complexity of, like, this dude probably saved my life, but also he just fucking murdered a guy right in front yeah. of me, and now he's, like, making pies. At the <laughs> like, it's like it never happened, but... Yeah. Oh, yeah, and we, we kind of glazed over when uh, Norma saw Shelly, and Shelly was right. like, bring me a pie. Yeah, yeah. But she's like, everybody's just, like, Non-stop fucking pouring pie. for pies in, in this episode. It's yeah, fine. Right. Pie's great. Um, yeah, let's move away from Hank's Hank stuff, yeah. so... Um, it won't be the last we see of Dingus this episode. <laughs> right. Uh, we go get to the cops going over Laura's yeah. you know, final night. So, we, yeah, we have an extended scene here that basically just serves as, here's us putting together all the clues that we fished out of season one in case you didn't remember what was going on. There, Coop's kind of like talking through it. Um, we've seen basically all of this stuff before, but we haven't seen it like laid out linearly up to this point, I don't think. Um I, what's interesting from this in this scene in a like character and plot context is Albert is being a shithead like usual and Andy decides that he's had enough of it. I mean he's Andy so he totally blows the confrontation by like you like talking all smart and I don't want to hear it Albert. And like, I don't he, appreciate like, your Yeah, and tone. then he like storms <laughs> out ineffectually but Lucy's kind of like oh okay. So he's like he's like manning up like a little bit. Like, it's like, it's, well, it's, it's one of them for, for crying as they're going over, like, yeah. And, and, like, and, and Andy's point, which is a real point, is that these are people that we care about in this small community, and you're treating them like it's bullshit or whatever. He's not able to articulate that, but his 
his point is sound and his reason for being upset is sound. Uh, let's see. Um, then, Coop, okay. Coop tallies up the body count. He goes, yes. which is pretty funny because like he goes, uh, is Laura Palmer is dead. Runnett Pulaski is in a coma. Uh, Leo Johnson is in a coma. Walter the bird is dead. <laughs> so, yeah, the bird died. Damn it. That's for Waldo. <laughs> Uh, um, yeah, and he, and he, you know, basically surmises that only, uh, you know, it, it wasn't Jock that killed Lauren, it wasn't Leo, so really there's only, there's a third yeah. man who was involved, yeah. and, and we do not know who he is. So, thus begins... Blood type is A, B negative, so that's, we'll just go with that, I guess. Thus begins a brief but intense obsession that the show has with the phrase, who's the third man? Um which will also be familiar to anybody else who watched pro wrestling in the late 1990s. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's Hulk Hogan. <laughs> what if it was? Like, what if, like, that I would be fucking wild. Like, it was Hulk exactly Hogan the same storyline. Who it's killed Laura Palmer? Hogan, NWO. Show <laughs> a picture of Hulk Hogan. Like, <laughs> um, okay, so then we have. And, and to be clear, fuck Hulk Hogan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, absolutely. Yes. But, uh, on this very patriotic of days, yeah. <laughs> fuck that real American. Um, then we have this whole like, where is Josie situation. Um, my handwriting got real bad here, so yeah, uh, I, wrote, so, I am checking out here, so I don't even know. What yeah, okay. So what happens is, is Harry takes Pete home he gives him a ride home from the hospital essentially because Catherine is still missing, missing right and Josie is also missing and so what happens is we get back and and Pete's like kind of staggering around a bit he's like man I'm an old guy this smoke inhalation stuff is bullshit if you're like not in great health and Harry's like yeah no problem give me a ride Pete hey have you seen my girlfriend who also lives here because I'm kind of concerned about my girlfriend and Pete's like oh I need to I need to sit down for a minute because I'm, I'm not feeling well from the hospital and and Harry's like yeah yeah sit down Pete but where's my girlfriend like have you have you talked to my girlfriend I need to know it? where she yeah, is yeah. <laughs> um so fortunately she left her fuck robe behind yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah she, she must have left in a hurry um so fortunately for our heroes here she has left a note behind that was like I'm going to Seattle and uh Pete goes I think she goes up there to indulge in a secret vice and Harry's like, oh my god, what? He's like, she likes to go shopping. And he's like, oh, oh. <laughs> the road had to come from right? somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, it does raise some interesting questions for us that she, we know that she was somehow involved in like a triple cross on the uh, on the plant burning. We're not exactly sure what she's getting out of it yet, right? Right. Um, yeah. it, it has something to do with probably a cut of what Ben Horn's making off of the Ghostwood sale or something like that. Um, anyway, uh, Pete has this great line about Catherine where he's like kind of struggling with the fact that like, yeah, she was horrible, but she was my wife and I'm a wife guy. So like, what do I have left now other than fishing? And <laughs> he said something like, if you were tallying odds on the last person standing after an atomic war, it would have been her, uh, which is a kind of a funny line. B, an interesting thing to, an interesting 
image for him to evoke given where this plot line is about to go. Um, and folks, if you have not watched this show before, buckle up because you are not going to be able to guess where this subplot goes. It's you're going not going to gonna like it. <laughs> you are not going to enjoy it. <laughs> um, to paraphrase Mad Men, it will shock you how terrible this gets. <laughs> uh, but yes. We, but for now, that's what we get of it. Um, yeah. Okay, so... We move, okay, we're going to go back to One-Eyed Jacks. Yeah. Right? And Andre is still, like, uh, like stuck in this room. And uh, Chris, no, we, we have a we have an intervening scene here uh, that's we? actually kind of important. So oh. we get another shot of Ben and Jerry at the, uh, um, at the Great Northern, and this is where Ben kind of throws off as, like, a sideline. Has anybody seen Audrey today? He realizes that's she's right. Missing. That's right. Sorry. And so, as and I then, said, I checked out first. Yeah, yeah. And so, from there, they walk into uh, the scene of uh, the site of some other great scenes this episode. Ben's office and Dingus is there, um, and they're like, "What the fuck?" Like the job was Leo's dead, and the the uh, mill burns down. There's all of these missing people who weren't involved at all. Leo's not dead like you could not have screwed this up more <laughs> and, and the, like, the only way like, you could have the only way you could have screwed it up more is if you just left town <laughs> <laughs> and then hank's like just don't like don't even worry about it like i shot leo from outside so it's like he's like probably brain dead it's fine uh he was it'll be all right we, we do get this horrible explanation for something that i asked at the end of uh, last episode, which was, I could not remember what the justification employed for why, uh, you know, Hank can see him through the window swinging an axe, but doesn't put together that he's fighting with somebody inside. Um, <laughs> and he says here, Leo was chopping wood inside. And then, like, Ben's like, he was chopping wood inside? He's like, yeah, you know Leo. And Jerry's like, he was chopping wood inside? Are you shitting me? And he's like, you know Leo. And they're all like, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Leo who Leo who hit a bloody I mean Leo who just like kept his bloody clothes and he's like, wash these please in our outdoor washing machine. Yeah. Like he's um, not the best. At <laughs> no, and it, it's a funny moment where it's both just a totally bullshit like cover for a plot hole, but at the same time is perfectly consistent with what we know of these characters. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, all right, whatever. Makes sense. It's fine. <laughs> um, then we go to one eye jack. We do. And Fritz was like, this, Fritz was like, this is not a sustainable, like, sneaky model. Like, you infiltrate a whorehouse, but then you're, like, not willing to fuck. <laughs> like, <laughs> At like, some point, this is going to become a problem. Yeah, I mean, like, he's like, this isn't sustainable. Like, it's weird, so. Well, to be fair, though, she didn't know she was going to run into her dad. I mean, right, but like, maybe still, she, but, was, but, <laughs> maybe uh, she would have been willing otherwise. Maybe, <laughs> I don't know. There's really no way to know. Quick, but, um, but it's just kind of like, there's this just quick kind of scene of her yeah. being chastised for not boning. <laughs> yeah, and it's like the whole scenario is gross, <laughs> knowing what she had to go through and knowing that uh, the madam's primary interest in this is her own take on drugs that she's yeah. getting out of it and she's kind of being abusive towards Audrey like having this yeah. guy like pin her arms so she could like smack her around a little bit it's like it's not like it's not great 
it's it's not great. It's not like Shelly Leo violent, but the whole dynamic is really gross and really yeah. like ugh. <laughs> it's icky. <laughs> um, so we go the uh, <laughs> thank God the return of the Hayward sisters after appearing exactly one time in the first season, <laughs> like showing back up and. Man. We already have established one is a very gifted poet. Yeah, I love that every time Harriet's on screen, she's just doing bad poetry. It's like the only and, reason she shows up. Um, and then in this get, episode, we're going to establish that the other sister is a very gifted pianist. <laughs> yeah, and her name is like Gertrude. Gertrude, Gertrude I think. Yeah. Um, uh, no, no, Greta. I forget Greta, Gertrude, something, something weird something. like that. Something. <laughs> she does come back later, but not. She does. Yeah. Um, but I just think it's funny because it, it kind of implies that Donna has no great, like, like is, hobby or whatever. She's, what she's, she's, got, she's got talented siblings and, like, she just sits there smoldering angry all the time. She's like, maybe smoking will be my, my yeah, thing. It is weird. It's almost like she's a little different than her sisters. Mm. Mm. Odd. I don't know what that's all about. I don't know anyway. what that could be about. This um, dinner scene. So good. <laughs> so good. And what kills me immediately is that this is a casual sort of like, let's have dinner with our old time friends, the Haywoods. And <laughs> Leland is in a full on tux. <laughs> like he's in like a legit, like, like cummerbund and everything. It's like, Leland, calm down. Like, Leland got his groove back after he murdered his daughter's murderer. <laughs> like Doc is in like he's like in a shirt with like a sweater tied around it, like very casual. And Leland like dressed to the fucking nine. Yeah. Um and then okay, so they're like, okay, we're gonna have this like nice dinner, but first let's have the, the girls present a, a piano piece with a poem about your dead daughter. <laughs> Just to bring the mood down a little. <laughs> like, yeah. Why would they let that happen? <laughs> it's so bad. And honestly, uh, the only one into it is Leland. He's like, yeah, brilliant. This is Everyone great. Else is like, um, Harriet's poetry has somehow gotten worse, which is <laughs> like really saying something. Um, and we know because we're in this scene. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is my field. <laughs> this is the way like, like entomologists might feel when like they're watching something with bugs. They're like, that wouldn't happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they like, no. Uh, but yeah, they really bring down the whole mood. Um, and but I I think they've also done a wonderful job of conditioning us up to this point that anytime anything involving music or singing is happening with Leland, bad shit is about to pop off. And sure enough, <laughs> uh, he gets very excited, starts singing an awkwardly joyous performance, and then collapses in the middle of it. And I think it's important to note, though, that before that happens, uh, he and Doc have, like, a very quick kind of exchange where it's definitely, like, Doc's trying to get info on this, like, like, Ben Horn situation, and he's like, well, as your, my, as his lawyer and your lawyer, like, you know, I can't say that, and then he's like, well, as your doctor, why is your hair fucking white? Like, <laughs> yeah, you're right, that is a <laughs> like, good like, Bing! And he's like, I, and he says this thing that I think is important, where he's like, I don't know, like, I woke up and it was just like that. But I feel like it helped me turn a corner with my grief. Like I'm still sad, but I'm I'm beginning to move past it and see someone again. Right. Uh, and he's like, "Well, that's great." And then he's like, "Let's get up and sing." <laughs> we we also 
Yeah. We also, in the midst of this, get the exchange that uh, Donna is telling Maddie that, hey, I was able to take over Laura's Meals on Wheels route. So maybe I'm going to be able to uh, figure something out from that. So what we get from that is where Donna's going next with her investigative thing that she's doing. And also that for now, her and Maddie are still in cahoots on that whole operation. Despite and I watched very, very closely Sarah during this scene, and uh, she is mad. She is and, not and happy. disturbed, and she's the only one who seems like disturbed by anything that's going on. Like, oh yeah, my hair's just white now. I'm past my grief. And she's like, now I'm like, happy. Now yeah. I'm gonna sing and dance. And she's like, like this is, and they're all like enjoying it. And she's like, this is not cool. Like, why is it's almost like why is no one noticing that this is actually kind of fucked up? Like. So, um, yeah, so he's uh, goes back to sing, uh, he sing, forget your troubles, come on, get happy. Yeah, yeah. Which is a jam. Like, yeah, again, yeah. <laughs> it's a Ray Wise album. Like, I would rock to it all the time. Uh, but then it gets faster and faster, and then he, like, it falls apart very quickly. And yeah. he passes out. And like watching watching the Hayward sister play the piano, like struggle with how fast she is to play the song is very funny. I'm her name. I can't remember his father. It's, it's Gertrude, Gertrude, Gert, Get, Getter, <laughs> something oh, like God. that. Uh, you talk while I look it up. Hayward. Um, I mean, I kind of want to move forward into the next scene. Gersten uh, Hayward. Gersten. Gersten. Yeah. Okay, right? it's a yeah. tough, upsetting name. That's why I don't remember. Um, Terrible. Not a real name. Yeah, no. no like they couldn't pick between Gertrude and Kristen. Kirsten, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gersten. Um, and anyway, we move from that onto, we're back with Audrey at One-Eyed Jacks. She's in, like, her little solo chambers again and is sort of furtively praying. Um, We're kind of reminded here in the context that Audrey did see Coop there the other night and probably imagined it was because he was trying to spring her from this situation because she thinks he's received this note that she left for him um, about being there undercover. He did not because he got shot instead and then a bunch of other bullshit happened. So uh, he... But not everything revolves around you, Audrey, okay? (laughs) Audrey doesn't know about any of that shit and she's just like, I know we were here so we must have gotten the note. Are you getting me out of this situation? That and she's I, like trying to like like I, psychically. Like, I yeah, know yeah. That I myself without consulting you first and making sure this would work out. Um, one thing I will say, I the Audrey Coop dynamic is so awkward and then gets kind of unceremoniously dropped throughout this season. Um, it's kind of an infamous element of the show, so I don't feel like it's a spoiler to say nothing really comes of that. They still have interactions and then way 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 later in on in the series it'll get recontextualized in a really strange way yeah um, it's weird but but for now um it's it's kind of on the verge of going away for a bit and we're this is kind of like the one moment i actually like it because she has this interesting thing where she's like because like if we're going to be a couple I'm going to have to always be your sidekick on investigations and stuff. So I'm going to have to do dangerous stuff like this. That's just how it is. So maybe I need to learn from this experience. And like, it's, it's very like 
it makes me feel a little bit for her as a character, which normally I don't because she's such a, like, let me throw myself into a horrible situation and then be mad that I'm in it. Um, But like in this particular scenario, she really comes off as like a young woman who's like over her head and was probably trying to do this for the right reasons, but is now just kind of totally fucked, you know, (laughs) in like a really horrible way. And it, it comes through in that dialogue pretty well. And the way this sort of very naive way that she has of envisioning what a relationship between them would uh would look like and it's it's so it it kind of makes me feel for her in a way that the majority of this stuff doesn't really right uh yeah and then we move on to audrey exhausts me can you tell like yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) but no it's it's all fair and um we move on to like i think it segues into coop which you're like is he psychically hearing her no um and he's like, I need to get some sleep because sleep deprivation is bad. And then, like, who fucking shows up but the giant to be like, hey, don't go to sleep. <laughs> you forgot something, bro. Yeah. And, and, I, and I love that the giant doing this is like, uh, he goes, wait, don't go to sleep yet. And Coop goes, aha, because he told me don't go to sleep yet, that means I'm not drinking this. It's like, yes, because the giant mysterious hallucination man told you you're not dreaming. You're not, you're not dreaming. Yeah. And he's like, you forgot something. I don't think much more happens. We go back to the hospital. He says some very vague shit about don't try to figure out all the clues at once. Try to build the path by laying one stone, which means yeah. nothing, you know? <laughs> He's like, I'm gonna give you all these clues, but like, take your time with it. <laughs> like, there's yeah, no- yeah. And uh, the important thing he says here is that there is one other person who saw what happened that night, and they're now ready to speak. And uh, we get what that's intended to communicate to us in the final shots of the episode, where we're basically seeing uh, Ronette wake up from the coma, and just a lot of like disturbing imagery in the vein of the other imagery we've seen of Bob up to this point. Um, I don't know. Is, is there it's, this is disturbing. This? Um, it's uh, first of all, Renette wakes up by putting her arms out like a zombie. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, like yeah. brains, but um, which I thought was kind of funny, like whatever. But but then it, it definitely gets very disturbing fast because there's a lot of like flashing. Uh, we've seen this sort of thing before, where it's like a lot of flashing back and forth. Um, lots of very disturbing imagery of Bob and murder and Laura scream. And I think what makes it disturbing is not so much Bob, who we know is like this evil thing or whatever, yeah. but, but is Laura like looking crazy right. and bloody and screaming. Right. And, but like, but like hysterically happy in a way. And it's yeah. like, it's really, really upsetting. And it flashes very quick, which I actually have issues with uh, that tends to be yeah. headache, mm-hmm. but um, so like trigger warning for that kind of stuff, I guess, but, um, it's really violent and disturbing. There's like a lot of fire walk with me, like the little note, um, which will tie into the movie eventually. And, uh, lot, it ends with all of this happening and with Bob screaming. Um, but that's how the, the episode itself ends. And then, um, as we cut away from all that horrifying imagery which is really strong to end with for a season premiere uh it ends with gersten just rocking out on the piano during <laughs> yeah, the yeah, yeah. Like, like we need to give her more screen time i guess for some awful reason but 
uh, and she's pretty good. So <laughs> makes me wonder if she was like somebody, some onset onset crew member's daughter. Or right. something. I feel like there like... is a thing about her, and and like I that I knew about from a couple of years ago, and I'm gonna have to like look it up now because it's just like about I the feel actress like there was, or about the character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like you know, like that's not the last we'll see of her. But right. I remember her coming up again. And I was like, and I looked into. It, I forget now. Uh, this episode is also dedicated to Kevin Young Sr., and I don't know who that is, but I thought it was worth noting. So we'll see a lot of those dedications yeah. moving forward. Yeah, you love you love smash cut from the whole like like serial killer horrifying imagery montage to in loving memory of. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, thanks for. I like when like they dedicate something. It's just always like like a weird juxtaposition. Like. Yeah. You kind of picked a nice. Like it, it can almost never not be awkward. You know, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. almost impossible to imagine. We're just gonna end on Gerson rocking out. I don't know, but uh, yeah, and that's the season premiere of Twin Peaks season two. It's a it's a very strong episode and probably one of the best ones so far. It's probably so. one of the best ones overall. Yeah, in general. Say. Yeah, just in terms of how much it delivers, both about the overall story and the characters. Um, how it manages to balance the weird David Lynch bullshit with just like, you know, actual storytelling and uh, um, like just the kind of stuff that anchors it into the world of Twin Peaks that makes yeah. it enjoyable, you know? It's, yeah, it's an excellent episode. So good character development and everything. It's really good. So then we'll go on <laughs> the next certainly, episode. Certainly the rest of season two will remember will remain exactly this strong and there will be no other yeah, issues wow. and there will be no problems with season two and we're just going to keep, it's just going to be home run after home run. After I'm this. sure all 98 episodes of season two are going to be equally as amazing and strong. <laughs> it's like the longest season in the history of anything ever. <laughs> it's largely garbage. So, uh, <laughs> So it'll be fun to listen to that, but um, but yeah, I mean that's it. So next episode we're gonna have some cool shit. So I'm looking forward. We we, we truly are. We just it's very exciting to me. Yeah. So um, it's a it's something is being foreshadowed in the extended musical performance element of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> a train has left uh, the station and it cannot now be stopped. <laughs> barreling downhill do we have a producer's corner situation happening anything of note yeah actually um oh. well i don't know if this is what you meant about uh, old gersten here but she was played by alicia witt who actually kind of became an actress of some notes in kind of the 90s early 2000s um i remember her in like mr holland's opus and uh, there was some oh that's right sybil oh. the civil shepherd sitcom she was her daughter uh, later, she was on Friday Night Lights, and I think even Orange is the New Black. So I don't know if that's what you found about her. That but... might have been it. That she yeah. was like, I didn't, I don't watch any of those things, so I didn't recognize. But right. I her name, and I was like, oh, I didn't realize that was her. I think was that's she on Orange. Uh, it has her listed as Zelda from maybe the last season here, um, Zelda 2019. So I, I didn't watch the last season, I don't know. I didn't like, to be fair. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, what are you going to do? I didn't watch um, any of the seasons. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're missing some, but not much. Something. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, and, of course, the giant. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to pronounce this correctly, but uh, Carol uh, Stroykin, 
And he yeah. played uh, Lurch, which you would expect, but Lurch yeah. in the, yes, the Adams Family did. movies, yeah. He also um, shows up, I believe it's him who shows up a lot in Mike Flanagan's stuff. Like, I'm pretty sure he was in Dr. Sleep um, and Haunting Hill House and so, like stuff like that, so. Right. Um, and the only other thing, and it's, I don't wanna go into full detail, maybe we can uh, put out this link, um, but about Marzi Dotes. Uh, about its use as, um, of course, this novelty song in the 40s, but then gaining um, this kind of sinister, and I can't really go into full detail because it would spoil the psychological ramifications of what's happening with Leland, but there is kind of a um, precedent for using it in that way in film history. And so this is a Slate article from 2017, uh, and we'll, we'll link that out, but it, it's yeah. worth mentioning, yeah. Yeah, send me the links because I saved yeah. them for, for when we put the actual episode up in 98 weeks. <laughs> but uh, I still have to do that. The one from the other day with Sarah, like I still have to link a couple things. But um, but that's actually really interesting because that song is like funny. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, it's a weird song. It's At a weird song to him it's funny and good Lord, Jerry and Ben. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna just find I'm gonna post that clip quite frankly it's amazing yeah. but it's just such a and I guess there was just not a lot happening in the 40s so it was like big <laughs> like, right right like, yeah. not a lot on the radio I guess whatever um that was that, the number you know little known fact that was the number one song streamed on Spotify in 1940 <laughs> <laughs> right so I guess that's pretty much all we have so let's wrap it up um again I'm calling Carney Hefner I'm Chris Pruitt I'm Matt Carrero. And thank you for joining us, and we'll hear you next time. Bye.